Hello there, my name is Terry. I'm a stop motion and 2D animator and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. This chat is with renowned Canadian stop motion animator, Dale Hayward, who I've been following since I was a teenager. I went back and checked and yes, I was a teenager when he first came out with uh, this animation about a very happy little flower having the most disturbing birthday you can imagine um i'm gonna if you haven't seen it i'm just gonna say that but you should go look it up and be disturbed since then dale's worked on many incredible projects all in stop motion and some other mixed media too including bone mother for the nfb the feature film the little prince and a whole slew of commercial spots for brands like hot wheels honda nike and tim hortons most recently actually he directed the new zealand claymation kids show called kiri and lou which he's going to share all about in this chat as well as his thoughts on perfectionism and achieving perfectionism and everything around that concept in animation. But first, this episode is sponsored by Hue, makers of colorful plug-and-play cameras for learning, work, and play. Originally designed for teachers, Hue cameras can also be used for creative activities such as capturing hand-drawn pencil tests and shooting behind-the-scenes footage, time-lapse videos, and of course, stop-motion animation. Their cameras have flexible, posable necks, manual focus controls, and they're compatible with Dragon Frame, OBS, Twitch, Zoom, and many other camera apps. Visit QHD.com to learn more and follow at Hue cameras on social media for news fun and giveaways and as always get 10% off any hue product from hughd.com with code 10 terry aip and that is in the description of this chat so please go check them out and now without further ado let's jump in hi dale thanks for having me on this is great you're welcome thanks for coming on this is the second time you know very few people have the privilege of coming on this chat twice i think you're one of like four now (laughs) out of the out of the hundreds of people i can say hundreds now the hundreds of people um okay so i'm actually you just you just came off uh you just came back from new zealand uh Mm. we met at an animation conference which was nice to recap anyways i wanted to hear all about uh the show you were you were on directing kiri and lou because you know (laughs) there's not a lot of stop motion series going on in the world and in stop motion, there's not a lot of claymation series, pure claymation series. So why why did you have to go all the way to New Zealand to help direct this show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a pretty amazing opportunity. Um, it it's it's a preschool show called Kiri and Lou. Uh, it's about a purple uh, ancient uh, uh, elephant named Lou and a tuatara. This kind of lizard creature Kiri and they're both very they're young kids that are just doing some just fun exploration in the jungle but it's really written with parents in mind yeah. so it's got a great charm to it and so it's a new it's a New Zealand show it's it's uh, written and directed by Kiwis all starred you know all the actors in it voice actors um, and so Aunt Anthony Elworthy who is a kind of legend in Stamo animator he's worked on you know, Coraline and and all these amazing Fantastic Fox and all this great stuff. And so he kind of started the show off and developed the system in in uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. And it's always been a tough thing because Christchurch is a small little community. It's And not much animation happens there. So a lot of pretty much everybody that's gone through it have been non New Zealanders. And they've been able to train and work and, and create a few local talents but it's it's still hard to find so uh because it's 
it was stop motion animation directing. There's not too many people on the planet that have done it and doing it also is a show that's it's like two and a half D. So we are shooting it all tabletop. So it's all down shooter stuff on glass. So the clay is very much like a bas relief sculpture. So you really kind of have to think of it like a 2D kind of pipeline as well. So having a 2D you know, experience doing that in the past, that definitely helped. Even though I didn't have any claymation experience, I've sculpted a ton. And that yeah, that yeah I was wondering, you know, when he was searching the world <laughs> to to find to find someone to bring, because because uh, I mean, you've done some claymation in the past for sure, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, how how do you end up on you? And you know, there's tons of people in the U.S. The U.K. is full of claymation people. You know, mm -hmm. like what? Uh, how did that? How did that happen? So Ant had left um, New Zealand to go work on Pinocchio, and so he needed, and that was in I guess probably 2021 ish, somewhere around then. And so he reached out to uh, a, a, a mutual friend of ours, Drew Lightfoot, who had worked on uh, Corpse Bride in the past, but he's been a live action director, commercial advertising director for years. But he's always delved into animation once in a while. So he took this opportunity and he animation directed there during kind of the COVID uh, time. And uh, then Ant came back, and but Ant was going to be animation directing on um, Claude Barras's uh, latest film in, in Switzerland. So he needed somebody to take over for him again. And Drew had referred me. So I worked with Drew over the years, a few different times. Um, and so it was really, it was, it was definitely referral. Um, but it was also, it's a job um, that it, it required more than just animation directing because yeah. it was, it was a pretty small crew, only seven animators and about four compositors. And so you were and the producers were on, in Auckland. So they were on another island. And Harry, the director, he's in LA. So the animation director basically is like the studio manager. I was the, you know, production manager. I was schedule. I was offline editor. I designed characters. I was animating at times. I was designing backgrounds. And, and then you're also managing the team. So it was really a, a, a job of multi-hats. And the, it's being having my own studio at Sea Creature allowed us to be able to sort of think in multi-faceted, multi—you know—you're you got five shows that are at various different levels, very different states, and uh, so it's not—it was a, a typical. It was very different from animation directing at Cuppa, uh, like that I did in in the mid two thousands. So it's a very different world, but um, it's super enjoyable. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it's and it's interesting how, you know, all these accumulative experiences of what you're doing leads to <laughs> traveling halfway across the world for what, a, a year or six months, eight months? Or Almost. Yeah. It started off as five months and then it turned to about 10. Doesn't so, that always happen? So so now you're back. How do you feel, you know, directing a show for 10 months, a kid's mm -hmm. show, all in claymation, you know, giving a break to your business and mm. living life in the lord of the rings <laughs> yeah yeah it was totally middle earth old yeah. montreal <laughs> back for winter yeah um well it's one of those weird things that i never thought when i was in school for 2d i was like i the idea of travel in this job was like there's no connection whatsoever unless you 
going to work at a studio or somewhere and being in stop is and and it's really amazing and giving me really great opportunities to travel with it. And so this one, we took the opportunity to bring the kids with us. And so they got to go to school there. And wow. so it was a real, yeah, it was pretty amazing. But, but along the way we were doing a few sea creature projects, um, keeping it to, to a minimum. Um, but it was still, uh, yeah, it was coming back as like kind of full swing back into this world oh, of wow. uh, clients and, so something else I wanted to ask you now that you've been on uh, a fully produced stop motion TV show, you know, when I'm pitching my own TV shows, the studios, a lot of times they'll say like, you know, we don't have, we're not familiar with stop motion. It's super mm-hmm. expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as we know, it takes a lot of time. Uh, but, you know, coming off a show that's fully produced in stop motion yourself, like what, what are your thoughts on this? And also, you know, even just commercial work, people saying like, uh, we'd rather do this in CG, it's faster, or we'd rather do this in 2D, it's cheaper. Like, what are your thoughts on all this? I think it always depends, for sure. I mean, it's always that that's the easy answer. But I think that there are definitely some misconceptions about stop mo that, yeah, that it's it is more expensive, that it t- takes more time. But I think it's it's really kind of the way I always look at it is if you divide up a production pipeline into various different sections, you know, pre-prod, production, post-production. When it comes to stop mo, it's really just where you're allocating your time and your resources to a different part than CG or 2D. So when it comes to stop mo, it's all in the prep. We got to build, we got to build, we got to build. And then when you get to the animation, we're actually able to not just animate, but we're animating multiple characters. It's all cleaned up. It's lit. It's in the environment. So you're kind of combining all of those things that are massive, long steps in the other disciplines. Yeah. When stop mo, we kind of just condense it down and in, into the shoot stage, and and so a lot of times, sometimes your post production is actually quite minimal compared to something like CG, where there's so many different layers that you've got to compile, and your lighting takes forever, and rendering. There's no rendering, so it it it, it really is is about I look at it as where you're allocating your time and your resources in yeah. in the budget. Um, have you ever had to came- convince a client where like, you know, they're like, we're not familiar with it. We think it's too expensive. And like, have you had to convince them? And how's what has been the convincing factor? Because because mm. I've had these conversations, too, where I'm like, but they just they just don't feel comfortable. Yeah. When, when it comes to it feels like sometimes it's an easier sell when it comes to advertising because mm. we can use the actual product. Right. So they the actual product speaks for itself. The client wants to see it. They want to see the real texture. And that that is really, I think, one of the benefits of using Stamo in in that in an advertising world. Um, and but also sometimes, a lot of times, actually, in an advertising, it's a, they've already got the stop motion in their head of what they want. So they come to us already kind of pre-sold on the idea. So we're we're looking at trying to get to clients and get to agencies before that decision has already been decided on because those misconceptions are now accepted. So we kind of want to cut that off earlier. Um, but so when how it comes do you do that to... you before? Like, how do you even come in before a project to the agency has figured out the creative direction? Do you just you just like call up an agency, like say like, hey, we're a stop motion studio. Just wanted to make you aware of everything we do and what's going on, so that when you're mm-hmm. pitching, you have another option. And you're like, yeah, hmm. yeah, that's what we're trying. Yeah, and it's building that relationship, those relationships with the agencies before they call right. us you know yeah to try and like because if those are the barriers then it's like okay well let's let's call those barriers out 
And so we're working on some videos and some, and some, uh, you know, social posts to be able to sort of highlight some of those misconceptions and those, and those uh, things that are just kind of already these stories that are already being told ahead of time, because I, I think, but then also to go on to that, yes, it can be more expensive. It can be more time consuming if you, tr- if your complexity is increased and, you know, all of the other, you know, you start adding in all of these other, or you're trying to, I think the biggest thing is you're trying to be more than what the project, the scope is capable of, or what the project needs to be. So it, 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 I think when it works best is when they know the client already knows like, okay, this is what the world should be. And this is what, uh, what makes that show unique. So when it, when it comes to something like Kiri and Lou, it, it, the clay is by no means fast. It's, it's definitely slow. <laughs> I wish it was fast. Um, as you know, as a clay, you know, and it working with clay and your hands. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, they, they, yeah, dust. Uh, and, but what was, what was really kind of cool about the show too, is because, um, it was, it was tabletop. We didn't really have to worry about camera shifts and we could hot set Hmm. at any point. And there's earthquakes there. So the common earthquakes. So, you know, you, so you're waiting while there. there's an earthquake going? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that was great. I thought it was super exciting. I loved it. I loved feeling like... Wait, so you're, you're like standing there working on a shot, like morphing the clay, and then suddenly... Just start, you know, hear a big thump, and then, you know, it rumbles. Wow. And, okay, uh, well, I guess you can't do never... else than tabletop down. Yeah, I mean, they weren't crazy. I mean, we never experienced. There has been one, you know, in the past. Um, Christchurch had one about 10 or so years ago and it decimated the city and it, they're still recovering from it. Wow. But um, it it was really just another added layer. So because we could do a tabletop, we could hot set at any point. So that meant for the uh, work-life balance, yeah. that was great. There was no, you know, typical in stop motion is there's a hurry up and wait. You do your shot and you got to wait for all of the other crews, sets, puppets, lights, whatever, yeah. to get in there, do their thing before you can start again. Where in this, our lighting was consistent. Every single sh- every single character, every single shot. Um, and we would shoot multiple light passes. And then we could do some adjustments in post through those multiple light passes. And that, that was a really in- ingenious method because it, it meant no downtime really for the animator. Like they were, as soon as they were finished a shot, they get a quick approval from me and then they just move on to the next. So there, they were the, there was no puppet team they would sculpt their own puppets. Yeah, there was no sets. All the sets were compiled in After Effects in, in all all paper assets, but it was all built in After Effects in Photoshop. And so the the animator could just focus on the one action. It was also one character at a time too. So it was very much again like a two D um, way of thinking. You had to animate your your rotations, like you had to sculpt a rotation in there, so that you know the the it was def- definitely a very much um, a 2D pipeline. Um, there was a database of existing animation that mm-hmm. I could access and go through and reuse animation for the upcoming episodes, which was which was super fun um, to just retime animation and cut and just you, again thinking like 2D. It was it was, you could never do this in normal stop motion, but everything was alpha. Everything was was adjustable. You can just animate them across the screen. We could reuse animation cycles, walks, and 
um, runs and just reanimate just a new head on the character. Oh, so wow. was, we would find as many corners to cut to sort of keep the process going. Um, so, so, it's really me, so, so maybe a last question on this before we, we talk about the real juice of why we're talking. <laughs> why? Okay, okay so um, <clears throat> I have to answer this question a lot. And you just coming off of a show that you mentioned it's it was built like a 2d show why why is it not 2d then why is it stop motion what's the what's the point if you're going to uh have a 2d pipeline and reuse assets and blah 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 like what 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 is the appeal to keep it stop motion instead of go 2d it's it's a great question uh i think for that for this show was the the authenticity of it and what the the the, the subtle the stop motion charm, the boils, the little weirdness that the, that the character would actually kind of get off model. We would try to rein it in as much as possible, but they would get off model because you're trying a new expression. So <clears throat> it, it was really, I think that lent itself to so much of the show's charm yeah. um, and that it became part of, um, It's I think it also is part of the, New Zealandness of it mm -hmm. is that there is that New Zealand is really the country has really branded themselves very well as being this pure nature uh, country. It's not as clear cut as as uh, as as the uh, the uh, tourist board would want you to get it, but it is really much. It is still there in the in the country. The that kind of natural authenticity um, is there, and that is reflected in the show. It's it takes place in the jungle all the time. It's this kind of prehistoric um, mm. world. And uh, so it, that I think that having it in stop motion really reflects that element to it. I think that that's, I think in general, that's really why to do stop motion, I think okay. as well. I mean, that shows that humanity. It, I mean, I knew I've known about Carrie and Lou long before I knew you were going to <laughs> direct mm. on it. So it, it's, it stood out. And, and I think, you know, it probably takes a really, uh, a producer or a, a studio that really believes in charm and authenticity to 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 keep it stop motion instead of going 2D. Okay, let's <laughs> let's let's switch it up a bit because mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you know you we saw each other at a conference recently in Toronto, an animation mm -hmm. conference, and unfortunately I missed your talk. So this is my opportunity to get the personalized talk you did, <laughs> one on one mm -hmm. experience. So tell me tell me you know it was it was, it was a talk on perfection, which. Uh, I already have my own preconceived notions about this, you know, perfection is something I struggle with, especially in stop motion, because like, mm -hmm. that's where I really try to go perfect. But it's like, it's like when you're animating, it's like you're holding together a bomb that can explode at any, any moment while also trying to get like the perfect movement and placement and everything. And it, it's crazy. So anyways, uh, where, where do we start here to lead us off? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a deep rabbit hole. Um, well, I mean, I think inherently to, to stop Mo is there is a, there's a level of imperfection that we always have to accept. And we accept that in our life as well, to a certain extent, but we also hold each other to these kind of standards and we kind of are really hard on ourselves. The Aristotle ideal self or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or even sometimes it's these almost like there are okay yes there are that there is that point but there's also things that okay you look on social media or you look at peers around you or you hold and and we hold ourselves to these things are like why do we even think that this is what 
normal should be. And I think that when it comes to animation, it it really, it, in particularly, gets challenged because animation is all about control. It's like you have to control whatever you're doing, whatever you're shooting. You have to create everything half the time. You're we're controlling it down to the pixel, and so that it these traits of overanalyzing and overthinking are kind of go naturally with animation, and it's one of those things that you, but you also have to overcome that constantly. Otherwise, you'll just never create anything. We'll never get anything done. And so there's this kind of inherent um, element to stop motion of a of yes and. We always have to kind of accept, because we're doing straight ahead animation, we're, we're always sort of working with the hole we've dug the previous frame. Yeah. And so we're always kind of like, we yes, we want it to be right, but it, you know, it's not ever quite where we wanted it. Anyways, that's good enough. That got me where yeah, I wanted yeah, to go. Yeah. And you work, and it's a constant kind of yes and, this kind of uh, improv mentality, this kind of mindset that comes along with stop motion. And I take that even more into production. So no matter how much information I give to an animator or a crew member, the, what they create will never be what I imagine. Oh, no. And even <laughs> half the time, even I don't even know what it's going to be. If we ever totally. work together, I'll just be constantly disappointed. I'll be like, I can never make what... <laughs> He wants, <laughs> but that, but I mean, half the time, it, even as an animator, I know I'm not even getting what yeah, yeah, I, I intended. Yeah, of course. And so it, it is really about looking at it again, objectively and saying, okay, does it still get the job done? Does it still oh. hit the beat? Does it hit the, the dialogue? And if it does, it's approved, it's move on. Um, because those things like the expectation of something that, is it's it's like playing with fire, you know. You can kind of control it, but it's it's going to do what it wants to do. Sometimes the puppet, you know, only a stumbo animator can understand this. But the puppet says sometimes what it wants to do, yeah. and you tell another animator that, and they're like, "Yeah, yes, yeah, hippie, you know, forget about it." Like you know, the the soul of the puppet. It's like no, it, yeah, it, you spent hours making the puppet, the sets, everything, and then you get to the shot and realize they can't lift their arm that way. And you tested everything yeah. ahead of time, and there's something, something went wrong mid shot. Maybe it locked up or something fell off, and you can't, yeah. you can't go back, or you, or you start from scratch. And you're like, well, now I gotta, I got a creative problem solve. <laughs> well, that's it. But it's also, yeah, you, you're also kind of BSing what you've created and working yeah. and sort of making it work. And I think. Having that um, flexibility is something that we need more in the industry and especially in a production standpoint and having that ability that we're, we're not going to get what we all expect. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure that it still gets the job done. It's just being open to that flexibility. So we tend to do that a lot in the animatic stage. We, we want the, the client or anybody to really make their comments and conversation at that stage. So we go sometimes to really in depth into previs to just to make sure that they have the opportunity to say it then. Cause once we get shooting, it's going to be what we get, you yeah, know, and, yeah, yeah. and we're, and be open to that flexibility. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 This is all super interesting. I was actually listening. I think it was the director of uh, 
Incredibles 2, where he was talking about how everybody that watches a Pixar movie expects everything to be perfect. You know, everything is perfectly in place and perfectly animated. And and they actually built in a lot of flaws with the characters, you know, like tripping over something or like missing the mark when they landed and then having to skid back into place on the motorcycle and stuff because they wanted it. They wanted to like get rid of that preconceived notion of perfection. But even in that, you know, the, <laughs> there's control. perfection and, and control yeah. in doing that. So it's it it's so so like what would you say to like CG versus stop motion? Because like CG and 2D can get perfect forever, versus like what mm-hmm. you just said in stop motion, you know, you, there's a level of acceptance you have to reach versus like, is there a level of good enough that's different in cg than there is in stop motion like i don't know what your thoughts on on this well it's it's fascinating on how much it how much work it takes to become to get imperfect when it comes to cg and how easy it is for stop motion like it's it's a really funny i don't even know what the word is for this it's a really like how and that's why i find counter counterintuitive for for studios like leica to go to this such extreme level of perfection and, right. and nuance that you can't even tell stop motion anymore oh, yeah. and so then you ask you the question well you you've you've 3d printed this you've digitized all your background your characters you half your environment is cg what are you doing why are you just stay in that world you know if that's what you're trying to achieve i'm not a purist stay in cg like you can you can still achieve that world if you want to capitalize on what stop motion has let's let's see those those you know those weirdness those imperfection because and i go into this with the topics that that's what we want to see is our characters we want our characters and our stories to have flaws we want them to have to make mistakes yeah. those moments where you're just like ah why are you doing this and you're saying this to your character that's amazing that the film and the story made you want to react that way and that is a really hard thing to write you know when you're writing you you, you want to make it all fit so nicely and then to purposely write your character to make mistakes it it's a difficult thing as a parent (laughs) as to this new baby that you're creating and so but it's 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 almost like you keep me we need to be reminded all the time that that's those are the kind of characters we resonate with is is ones that aren't perfect that have figured it out along the way um and we need to have that patience with ourselves when we're creating that stuff is that we have ourselves. I know I hold myself to a, a crazy standard of all these um, different disciplines as an entrepreneur, we're always doing wearing all these different hats, uh, delving into marketing. Now we're delving into social media and now we're delving into grants and all these other things. And it's, it's, it becomes really easy when you start learning off of these professionals that are professionals in those disciplines to feel terrible that you're not reaching up to even close to their levels. And yet you realize, well, cause that's not my discipline. I'm just trying to right. figure it out along the way. Um, and, that, and I think it's that we're always learning in the production pipeline in general. So having that patience with, with each other, I think is really important. So yeah, it kind of right. sounds like you're saying like, you know, this idea of per- perfection spans to like all areas of, of like being, being an animator and being like a business owner and whatnot, do you do you think it also uh, exists on like professional like like TV show shoots too? Like, cause cause like 
even on Kiri and Lou, you said you could take assets, you can manipulate them. There's a lot of stuff that you can do there. Like, were you also kind of reaching the state of like, okay, this is good enough to go to production? I'm assuming yes, because you're working on TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's also kind of for that show, it was always kind of searching because it, it the show style developed throughout the first season or two. Yeah. And the, the, the quality of the work is substantially better uh in the in the later seasons than it was in the first season because the season was, you just did is substantially of course, <laughs> of course i was i was able to keep the boat you know right. already on a <laughs> on a beautiful system so, i just so how do you how do you make a okay so like uh how do i say this there's like a level of uh perfectionism that you need to achieve in order to get noticed uh and create high enough quality that you're producing something that people want. But then there's a level of perfectionism that people don't care about. Uh, like for instance, you mentioned Leica going, you know, to a complete purist technological uh, beyond end all stop motion, which is amazing in some aspects, but it mm. misses some, like, do they have to go to that high extent to still produce a really good movie? Like where, where, like, how do you make a judgment on like, what is the level, the base bar that I need to achieve in terms of perfection? And uh, where I can stop and still create something that's that's going to be received well versus like, you know, you're, you said your natural brain and mind too just wants to control absolute everything. And you can spend, you know, I know people who don't produce anything because their level of perfectionism is so high that they never finish and that even causes them to never start anything. So like, how do you as an entrepreneur and a business owner and, and all these things uh, judge where that line exists? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I I wish I had a clean answer for that. Well, don't answer. It, <laughs> no, no, no. But it, it's it's a total. It's a great question because, and I think we're always searching for that because I'll definitely spend even last week spending, you know, literally moving things, microns to try and get it to that that feeling. Um, but then I'll be willing to accept other imperfections as just kind of like this is just the nature of of what it is. So it, there is definitely. Um, the difference between sort of perfection and greatness, or, you know, you could also call it excellence. Um, and that we're always seeking that because that's also the difference between amateur and professional too, yeah. is the, 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 the filmmaker, the animator, whoever the artist is willing to put in that extra bit of effort, that experience is showing that, okay, this is what we need to do to get it to that top tier level. So that is a really kind of a big gray zone as to what, what that is. I just like keep looking at it as a point of view of, you know, I've been in it for over 20 years and, and sort of seeing 2D die, CG rise, 2D come back alive, CG stay alive and stop Mo kind of slowly moving on its way and staying in the industry during that time and looking at, and we've lost out on projects that went to CG or went to 2D, of course. And for whatever reason that that's there, but it's, I always look at it as being, why is this thing stop motion? What can, what can stop mo bring that makes this easier, hmm. you know, because it doesn't always have to be more complicated. It can actually make it easier if, if it's the right kind of project. So for example, this serial commercial we did last week was using the real serial in there was using little miniature sets because it was also working with, um, live actions cut between all these live action scenes. So having it real just makes it that much easier 
for the audience to keep switching between these different worlds. Yeah. If we went to CG, if we went to 2D, it probably could work, but then you're just asking the audience just for that one extra second of, of mental gymnastics and having it already in this, you know, it's realness. You, you can tell it's a real thing. It just, I think it just makes it a much more cohesive spot. Um, yeah, that and that's sense. why it was, it's challenging to mix styles. Like Little Prince was a, a definitely an exception to the rule of mixing a CG and, and stop mo. And they did it really well because it was a different type of story. You're telling this story and you're telling it in this, in stop motion now. And now we're going back to the real world and it's in this style. And that, that, and then you get in the benefits of the two worlds and it, and it can work really, really well. That makes a lot of sense to me. I like what you said about, you know, how can stop motion make, make it easier? Not, not just like, you know, from a production value, but for the audience and like switching from real to real, telling the same story makes total sense versus like. Totally. Yeah. I mean, one of our one of our projects that we're we're developing uh, called Bon Appetit, it we really wanted to make it in stop motion. We tried tests, we made it up, but just the subject matter just felt better in a kind of After Effects collage kind of mm -hmm. puppet collage style. Really using because it's a lot of marketing and yeah. ad uh, influence, so using kind of feeling like it was cut out of magazines and chopped together creates a whole other level of humor to it. That if we went stop mo may not have that level and so really, we're willing I really to love, i mean that's hilarious that you're like let's make a stop mo series and then <laughs> just naturally but i think that's a really good point like i always ask myself like why why am i doing stop motion for this project or why does it need to be in stop motion and if i don't have a good answer then the answer is it doesn't need to be in stop motion it should be whatever format leads to the uh, the authenticity of what what this thing is so that makes a lot of sense to me. So like going back to perfection, you know, like uh, it's interesting how you you said like there's a level of amateur and a level of professionalism and you don't even really know where you developed, you know, that that line that goes between them. But it's just like having that experience, whatever. But like um, something you mentioned to me offline was how how much this plays into to mental health. Like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. for instance, like I've gone down the rabbit hole of perfectionism and spent you know, 20 hours a day working on something and then exhausted myself, have no sleep, uh, haven't thought about anything else, haven't haven't showered, haven't eaten. Uh, a month goes by and I'm like, what What was my life? <laughs> I feel like I crawled out of a cave and the sun is still shining and I, I go to the water here and I'm like, things exist. <laughs> so like, where, you know, <laughs> talk to me about this. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's where the name of the talk also kind of came from is that nothing is more boring than nothing. And if this idea of Wait, what does that mean? Nothing is more boring than nothing. Well, if, if, if you've got nothing, okay. that's pretty boring, you know, right. um, social media, you're just flipping through and it's just a white, a white yeah, yeah. page it's every single empty. time. It's empty. Yeah. You know, that would probably um, be just as entertaining as what it is. What it is now. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, audio does a pretty good job, but it, it, it I think it's just all that that idea that we hold ourselves back from from greatness. It's a lot of times by overthinking it. You know, mm -hmm. I think I, I heard this and I'm going to totally bastardize it, but it's this idea that everybody's too busy thinking about themselves to think about you, and we're all caught up in our own heads. We're all caught up in our own thinking that everybody else is thinking about us, but they're all caught up in their own thoughts about themselves. And I think it's sometimes about just getting it out and getting it done 
even if it isn't that that you know it's i think gary v says it talks about it a lot about this the, you know fail forward first to fail right. this idea of throwing it out there seeing what sticks taking that risk we we have this story in in uh, when we were doing bow mother um it's a very when you're working on it at the nfb it's very easy to be in your own little bubble and it's already in the independent world it's already animation and it's stop motion and it's at the nfb like so you're it's getting in, even more and more insular in in your your creativity which can be really really great as far as uh an incubator but at the same time it's a vacuum and so you you're not you're not finding out you have to do you have to put yourself out there to get any feedback um and so we we regularly set up these sort of uh screening with with some of our peers there some filmmakers that were out of the board but also some that were internal bringing people that weren't necessarily a part of the marketing part of the hr just to sort of get a different point of view on does this make sense of our story and it was super valuable for yeah. them to to get that feedback it's it's really tough to hear but you're also in a really great position to say well i'm still making the decisions based on how i interpret that information and so it's you you don't necessarily have to take their suggestions on that stuff but it's like wait now there's three people that have said they said something about this moment in the film. There's a red flag here. There's something up that I need to look at. And those can those moments can sort of get you out of that that uh you know that cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, I think uh, I think yeah, it's it was, interesting where you said where you started off about like achieving greatness because like for instance, I, I every once in a while some some person has spent like 15 years creating a masterful animation that they've animated or whatever or you know whatever and then they <laughs> come out with it and I'm, I'm already disinterested in the first 30 seconds and I don't end up watching it even though it's like you know this is their life's work and it, it's uh like I would say that's like a classic case of like somebody completely in a vacuum even mm -hmm. and and you know their perfectionism mind probably went haywire and crazy and they made all these decisions versus like you know, well, you mentioned Gary Vee, who like got his start from doing like, I don't know, a thousand mm -hmm. uh, wine critic reviews for his family business or something. And now he's like one of the biggest like internet mogul advice people on how to run your marketing and all that stuff. So like, he's he's the poster boy for like <laughs> yeah. thousands of reviews of feedback. And what you just said is like, you know, there's a, there's a balance between you know, going that go going to that place in your mind, and also like going and seeking feedback throughout the process, so you create something that is well received. Is that what you're talking about when you say greatness? Like greatness would be something that attracts attention or connects with other people. Definitely, I mean that's definitely an element of it. I I think it's also um, looking at it like a done thing is better than a perfect unfinished thing. Like a done. And not dumb not dumb done, done. oh done thing done. done thing yeah so it's finished yeah yeah um always more valuable than something that's not unfinished but better yeah and and i i, I always kind of look at it at, at at that point it's there's we're in we're doing it to get it done <laughs> just it's not theoretical this isn't research it's there to still achieve to get something done. So even if it doesn't feel finished for you, the audience knows nothing else. Yeah. They only know what they've been shown. Yeah. That's so 
for you to always, you, it could be so many things. There could be so many great ideas that you had to kill and you had to shelf or whatever. But the audience, that's the first time they're going to see it, probably the only time. And that for them, that it is, it is perfect. Yeah. All of those little imperfections that you hate are actually what makes it super charming to them. And actually, there's a really a fun little story from that I uh, saw from uh, Brian Eno that was saying that all of the, when you look at the the history of recorded music and all the different sort of mediums that they were recorded on from, from uh, vinyl to eight track to, to CD and all these things, they all had these little weird bits of imperfection. Phonograph. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the things, those little bits of imperfection at the time, these limitations of that technology is actually what we seek when we're trying to mm. emulate that idea. It's actually the imperfections that we're looking for, yeah. not what it was really great at. And so with all of the record, you know, crackles and snaps or the bit, the, the, the limitation of an MP3, you know, eight uh, bit or whatever, like it, it's all of these little things. And that's just an example on music. Oh. And I think so there's an, it's like sort of looking back on that idea that actually what you might think is sort of wrong about the project might actually be what makes it great to the rest of the audience. That, that's a really, I like what you said about the audience accepting at face value because like, and the music, the music example is perfect because like, I don't know, I had a CD player back in the day and it had scratches on it and I'd listen to music anyways, even though a bunch of the songs would skip over a beat or have a weird, mm. like it didn't matter to me. Um, but even like, you know, the audience accepts at face value what they're seeing. Like that is what it is. Like I've, I've, I spent a lot of time on YouTube, like scrolling through the the comma and period buttons to like watch frame by frame animation that I like. And sometimes I'll watch something and be like, wow, that was really good. And I loved it. And I have no thought of animation. And then I'll go back and go through and I'll be like, wow, there's a lot wrong with this. <laughs> and it's fine. And then I look yeah. at my own animation. I'm like, why am I, why am I obsessing over like this one frame I'm working on a, uh, you know, 2d video game right now. Why am I obsessing with this one frame where I drew the foot weird when like mm. somebody's playing this video game, this one frame it, for this, like one enemy move set or something, they're never, ever going to notice. They're just like, it's not even part of their, their awareness, but here I am like spending an extra like 20 minutes trying to like draw this perfectly in perspective or whatever, when, you know, I could just, I could just move on. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, hundred percent. I think it it is really sometimes deadlines are great for that. Oh yeah, it gets us out of that. Accept and move on. I got to I got to work on the next thing. Always. Yeah, the nitpickiness. Yeah, and I think uh, there is one element too that I, uh, I I I briefly touch on, and I want to delve more into later on too. Is is the idea of of um, of refer of uh, uh, revisions, feedback? How many times I know like that's a dangerous pitfall for for vfx stuff and setting what are those boundaries and sort of setting that um opportunity this is the time to give the feedback this is not and setting those hmm. boundaries early on yeah it's yeah. all part of that kind of client-based conversation that that is really important but having that even i think it could happen more and more for animators to be discussing that with their with their um the the superiors or the team in there to be able to find out like, Hey, what, what is the acceptable range of, of revisions and feedback? And when should we be looking for those? Cause it's easy yeah. to kind of uh, get into your own little bubble 
And that sort of gets, sometimes can get you out of it, that you're like, no, no, I, this is a good time to get some feedback. So then I don't keep going back and forth on, on something that took you forever. And it was totally irrelevant to the right. whole grand picture. Yeah, it's like sometimes like pulling yourself out because again, as animator or any type of job, sometimes you can really get caught up. Like your job is the most important in the production. And ultimately it's like, no, it's the, the whole thing. It's, it's a, it's, it's got, you got to think holistically and it's this, this whole production that matters, not just your, that one frame or a, a couple pixels. You know? So what do you, what do you say about this? Because like um, there, there's two thoughts that I've approached when I'm working on professional shoots. And one is uh, get it done and it looks good. And the other is take your time, no matter how much pressure you're getting, because this is part of your portfolio and, and you want to do Ooh. your best work. And like, for instance, uh, like I worked with somebody once who, uh, you know, they took three, four times longer on their set piece than I did because I was just like, you know what, this isn't my baby. Uh, I'm just going to follow the director and get it done. And I got it done. But this person was like, no, no, no I'm going to make this my baby. And uh, if this person is listening, you know, they were they were nominated for an Annie Award on the, on their stuff. They went on mm. to work on amazing things because, you know, they they had they had like kind of uh, blinded them, not blinded themselves, but like put out the pressure of like getting this mm. done and and like going and and spending that extra time to make things absolutely perfect so like what would you what would you say to that because like in my mind there are two there are two different goals of the animator there one is my goal is like let's follow production let's do this like uh i just want to get this done versus i could have taken the goal of like i'm going to uh get rid of the pressure for deadlines and and do this myself so mm -hmm. like what are your, what are your thoughts on that yeah, it's it's being being choosy about that. I think we can see there's the volume of work that we need to do because there is it's animation, but then there's also those real sweet, juicy shots that you're like, oh, okay, wait a minute, this is you know it ahead of time. And you're like, this is a portfolio piece, yeah. you know, and and though at sometimes I know I've done it, I've set myself to pressure too much, and it turns out to be a shit shot because <laughs> I didn't, I I overthought it. I totally yeah. there was there yeah. was a time in on Little Prince where I totally overthought a shot. Um, it was a really important moment, uh, and I overthought it. And right at the last second, I got replaced by a new another animator, and mm -hmm. went in there with barely any prep and did it in magical shot. It's gorgeous, way better than I probably would have yeah. done <laughs> because I totally overthought it. I I totally overanalyzed, and I didn't trust myself to just sort of go for it. And that's, again, I, I find that stop mode is great for that. It's like, I, I relate it to like drawing with a pen versus drawing with a pencil. Is that because I can draw with a pen, I'm way looser than if I'm drawing with a pencil because I can't go back. So that it, 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 take, it took that decision, that what if out of my brain hmm. and just makes me commit to it. So I think to go back to, to what you were saying is that like, if, if there's an opportunity to sort of choose in that, that that's the shot that you can do it. I think there has been times where I've, I've had a person on that crew where I'm, they, they say that ahead of time. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's spend the extra couple hours on this one. Like, let's make sure that this one matters. Yeah. Um, Cause there has been times on shots where you're like, you know what, this is kind of the apex of the episode. Let's make sure that we, we spend the extra bit of time on this one. So it, it is really a case, a case by case, but um, yeah, that's kind of the, the when it comes to tv it can kind of i know a lot of people can get jaded by that because it is a, a factory it's a mill gotta get it out um and but i i always always looked at it as a way of training uh, 
Mm. Um, my time in working in TV series was that great opportunity to just train and pump it out and learn quick. Then I apply that on our short films or our, our personal projects and make sure that, okay, I already got the knowledge base here. Now I can spend my time on, on something else. Okay. I mean, that makes sense to me. And that was my thinking along the lines too. Cause like, I have some regrets about like not spending more time on past projects when I had the opportunity to, when, you know, I was just thinking of a production schedule. So it's more, it's more or less like, where do you want things to shine? Like, what is, what is the money shot that you really want? And I guess like movies that too, they spend all their money on the explosions. Cause that they know that that's going to be the most impressive thing. So like where even, in, even like in my own work, like, you know, if the background doesn't matter, it's just a slab of board with paint on it. But if the character in the scene, like if they're expressing like, okay, let's, let's take a lot of time and make sure their, their face is actually like, you know, hitting all the right marks versus somebody in the background. Mm -hmm who cares so it's yeah. more or less like having having a good having experience and knowledge about like you know where your skill set lies i suppose and and like where you where you heighten your level of perfection versus uh just get it done and move on <laughs> yeah it, it, it's also kind of just that reminder that you need to do like ten thousand shitty drawings before you get a good one right um you know or a thousand or whatever the number is it doesn't matter it, yeah, yeah. it's just that concept of uh especially in anything repetitive there's going to be the volume and there is and that's that's just as important as that time to spend on the quality um it's just making sure that you have that balance and i think i guess that's when it comes down to the difference between perfection and and greatness is that perfection there is no balance right. it's very one-sided it's all or nothing way of thinking you know, it's either it's either perfect or it's or it's garbage. So where when it, when you think of it as kind of excellence and, and greatness, you're willing to accept the compromise. You're mm -hmm. willing to accept the the imperfections and actually to find out that that's actually the imperfections is what makes it great. Yeah, you know, I like this and, redefinition and because like excellence and greatness is, is kind of associated with perfection in my mind. But you're saying like perfection is is a black and white thing excellent and greatness is a, a thing that accepts flaws and mm -hmm. and uh finishes and and creates something with feedback in the loop and everything to, to to really connect and whatnot yeah it's it goes again it keeps going back to this yes and it's that, yes and is 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 additive it adds to it it combines it accepts it's much more inclusive to what's been brought but if you're at a yes but hmm. then you're you're creating again an improv it kills the scene yeah. it's the same thing and it can kill morale on a production too when somebody has just spent hours on something and you look and you're like yeah but it could be this way or you oh you could have did that or i would have done this that's the worst saying like i would have done something you, you destroy someone's like all that work yeah. they totally feel like crap afterwards yeah. on something and so it's really just that it's a it, it's that part of that communication, that language of of dealing with each other and understanding of having that empathy that they've just especially in stop mo, you've spent sometimes days on a shot. Totally. And and you put you you put a lot into it. So you 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 know, you gotta take that into consideration. Um so I always I always start something with what I liked about the scene, what I liked about the shot, what works about the shot. Just focus on that first. And then, okay, and yeah, so that's the yes. All right, we got that. And if, you know, on, in the future, we could work on this balance. Oh, and okay, yeah, that missed the beat. 
but we can definitely work in it in after effects and make that yeah. happen you know so it's yeah. like it's it's really just sort of yes it, it's adding to the 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 production rather than yeah, that, no that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I just just to I guess like regroup. I just want to make sure we're hitting because you know we're just talking and mm-hmm. I don't know if we're. I didn't listen to your original speech. Are we? Have we? Have we missed anything that you you covered originally that you think uh, think would be important to share, or somehow we just naturally progressed to talk about anything? <laughs> I think that was pretty. I mean, I, I definitely talk about. Um, this world we're in of comparison, but I guess we talked a little bit about already about that. Um, yeah, it sucks, but it's also a good a good measure to see to see what you're up against. It is. I mean, yeah. The but I also like this 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 line of uh, comparison is a thief of joy. And yeah, of course, you know. So it's the uh, you know again. I think it's part of that balance that it's nice to isolate yourself and not be on social and not look at that. Uh, you know your brain just naturally starts to compare and then so you want to be insular you want to do that but at the same time being in that bubble is going to be also limiting to what is what works with people and what it's it's good enough to just move forward so it is really that kind of balance of of finding a bit of a bit of both um we need to be sort of in our bubble and then out of our bubble i mean no, it's, it's, I, I find it tough too. like every once in a while, I just throw my phone away because I, I end up like, you know, just, 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 just watching animation and feeling bad about my own. <laughs> and then like, you know, it just, you know, like I'm an animator, I'm a creative person. I have my own style. It's different. Like, I just have to remember, like, you know, I'm making stuff. People like what I do too. Like, I like what I do. I just because somebody else is an expert in like, what they're at doesn't mean that I have to do that too. So yeah, yeah I think, yeah, totally. It, it's, I think it's a natural pitfall and I think it's also um, why we, another element of getting out of our little bubble, sometimes we get into our own little niche of our style bubble. So Stomo animators tend to hang around with Stomo animators, you know, CG yeah. people around CG, VFX around VFX, gamers around gamers. And so then you start to, you have this kind of curse of knowledge where you're just like, well, this is just normal. And then as soon as you jump into another world with your all your expertise, you're, it, it, it ends up becoming magic to somebody yeah. that is ignorant to it. Yeah. And it happened last week on the commercial job where the, it's surrounded by live action people. So they are using a lot of the same tools, you know, real lights, real cameras, real stuff. So it's very similar, but they're not thinking about it by the frame. And so when they see something moving, and then they saw it there that was, you know, it's right there in front of them. It's not moving and they see it on camera and it is moving. It, it The wonder in their eyes, it just, they light up and it's like, it's just a train moving back. Like, yeah. it, it's like you've seen, <laughs> we took three, thing. we took three photos and now you're, yeah. and now and you're they're blown away and they're blown yeah. away. And it, and it was a reminder of that, that we, we're just, we're too close to it sometimes to see the wonder yeah. and to see what, Again, there was there's a shot that both Sylvia and I we would totally redo it. For us, the timing isn't right. The the animation is still not what we would like. But the client was over the moon about it. Yeah, like yeah. fine, that's it. It's approved. It's great. That, that's yeah. great. I, right? yeah, I've been in that situation too, where like exact same thing. Client shoot, 
And uh, at one point they thought it, they, they were like, this is way too smooth. It just looks like live action. And I was like, that's what I'm trying to go for. And they were like, no, no, no. So I just, I literally, yeah. I felt like I was killing myself, but I was just like, I just scattered the stuff and wiggled them over like three frames and they loved it. They were like, this is perfect. We, I was like, okay, it took me three minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I think that it, it, it is really part of that, go back to the conversation of, especially when you deal with clients, but even with even with people that are, knowledgeable of animation what is what does this need to be yeah right exactly. what is the product what does the shot need to be what does the style need to be what what is the the deliverable uh need and and it actually might be a lot simpler than you would have done and having that deadline the intensity of a commercial shoot live action people like animating with five people in the room you know like sitting there watching you in every frame like there's a whole other mentality to that and that creates the what it needs to be it, it yeah, we yeah. would have overthought it we would have did a lot more uh work to it and it didn't have to be so it, yeah. it, it's great to be reminded of that of course so to sum it up you know like profession sucks but it's also a great thing but also like it, you've given so many strategies on how to how to deal with it it's like you know uh one of them is like figure out what you want to put your perfectionism into and the rest is mm -hmm. you know just good enough another one like you said you know be very aware of what what the thing is you're creating the audience, the deadline and, and uh, you know, get that feedback loop and, and create the thing that is needed versus like the thing that you have idealized in your mind. And also remember the audience is just taking what you give them at face value. It's nobody's mm -hmm. ever, nobody's ever watched a Pixar movie and be like, oh, they, they could have raised that hand a little higher and uh, like well, also Pixar is already <laughs> a level of perfectionism in itself, but nobody's ever watched, nobody's ever watched a TV show. I'm sure, and been like, oh, I wish, I wish uh, this there was a smoother transition between grabbing that cup of water and walking yeah. over to the to SpongeBob or something like so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's also, I think it's that that expecting perfection is not really going to give you what you're looking for. Yeah. I think it's it's we want imperfect characters. I think we should have more patience with ourselves and letting go and being open to the project kind of revealing itself too and having the team that is going to bring that to life that i think is what we need more and more in the industry i think it's going to give us better stories too out of our characters 100 percent agree I, yeah. I, I i this is a it's a good chat for me to just like distill in my mind because sometimes i get you know pigeonholed in my own my own thoughts and like you know it's good to talk with others who have been there, done that. Been in New Zealand mm -hmm. and back. <laughs> so, uh, Dale, is there anything we we missed that you still still wanted to chat about, or or uh, any final words or anything? I I think uh, Doctor Zeus said it best: of everything stinks until it's finished. And I think you know, I've never heard that. No, <laughs> uh, Zeusism for you. I'm going to remember that now. Everything stinks until it's finished. Well, Dale, thank you so much for coming on the chat. Yeah, uh, this whole chat stank, but now it's finished. <laughs> it's so, finished. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. My pleasure. Amazing. And if you're listening and you want to, you know, follow Dale and his work, he's done tons of stuff over the years. He teaches stop motion. He's worked on commercials. He's worked on TV shows. You can check him out on Instagram on Dale, uh, Dale underscore C creature. And that's C with two E's as well as his company, which is Creature underscore admin, as well as ccreature.ca and, and or on LinkedIn. And I'll include all these links, of course, in the description of this chat as always. And that's all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye.
The music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work.